0: Training camp is less than a month away, which means soon several players will be battling for roster spots heading towards the regular season. Which 53 players are set to make the team for the season opener against the Broncos? Nick Lee and I are going to discuss and debate on the latest installment of Locked On Seahawks.
1: You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Your team, every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And an apology to our listeners, I did record a Thursday show On Wednesday night, I was out of town yesterday. Unfortunately, the audio ended up being poor. I was not going to post a podcast of that quality. Completely out of my control. Just had some technical issues. I will be recording a Saturday episode to make up for it. So look for that coming up tomorrow. But for today's episode, we've got training camp quickly approaching. And that means it's time for our latest 53-man roster projection. Nick and I are going to be looking on offense as well as defense. I think we can agree the specialists have already been set in stone, but we're going to be looking at offense and defense, discussing and debating which players will be on Seattle's roster when they play the Broncos in week one. Also going to be taking a look at what a former star linebacker had to say about Seattle's quarterback situation. So without further ado, let's get to it. Now for your lead story here, on Locked On Seahawks. K.J. Wright remains unsigned, and he's made it clear publicly on multiple occasions that he's either going to play for the Seahawks this year or he's content walking away from the NFL and retiring. He won't play for anyone else like he did for the Raiders a year ago. So he's still holding out hope that maybe the Seahawks will bring him back. Very slim chances they're going to do that at this point, at least as a player. But while he's biding his time, hoping for that opportunity He's making plenty of public statements about other situations with the Seahawks, including their looming quarterback competition. Nick, most of KJ Wright's career, he was playing with Russell Wilson as the quarterback under center on the other side. And now Seattle's entering new territory with Drew Locke and Geno Smith set to face off and compete against each other to replace Wilson in 2022. He didn't mince words, though. On a recent podcast on Sirius XM Radio, indicating who he thinks should be the starter this season.
1: Yeah, KJ Wright went out and said, "I'll tell you, it's not Baker Mayfield, not Drew Lock. We ain't gonna play those games. I'm Team Geno all day," is what what KJ Wright said on the I Am Athlete Tonight show on Sirius XM Radio. Uh, pretty, pretty clear and bold. Um, funny that he mentions Baker Mayfield. The the, the rumors are still swirling very much um with with him you know he has like you said he's he was pretty used to, to uh playing with russell wilson but also you know maybe a bit of a biased opinion too um since you know geno smith was on the roster um for part of kj wright's career in seattle so he, he obviously knows geno smith much better than he knows uh drew lock or certainly baker mayfield um played against him um but uh, yeah, it's it, everyone's got an opinion <laughs> and, you know, fans, ex-players, coaches, whatever. And, and it's that's kind of the deal when you have a quarterback situation like the Seahawks, the one that's the most uncertainty they've faced uh, at the quarterback position in, in over a decade, I'd say, or at least a decade. And, you know, everyone's going to have the, their say. And it, I, I think he kind of echoes the sentiment of a lot of, uh, other Seahawks you know, voices that Geno Smith does have the inside track, I think, uh, to be the starter, just the knowledge of the offense, the experience, the respect in the locker room. Not that, you know, or that Drew Locke's disrespected, but just the natural respect and familiarity that comes with having been in the program for a few years. Um, so obviously he has the inside track and especially he's going to ring that's going to ring true with uh, some of Geno's former teammates.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised at all by these comments because K.J. Wright, as you mentioned, he got to go against Geno Smith on the practice field regularly for a couple of years. They were teammates for two seasons, and Wright holds a ton of respect for him. He talked about him having a cannon of an arm, great football intelligence from their times doing two-minute drills against one another, and he just feels like he has great command of the offense, and we keep going back to that in this discussion that Geno Smith had those three starts last year, played in four games in Shane Waldron's offense. He knows this system inside and out. Drew Locke might be doing really well picking up this offense, but he's not going to catch up with Geno Smith, at least in in this quick of an order, in terms of understanding the offense. Geno Smith has just been running it for a lot longer. And so that is a major advantage for him. And I do think, just based on some of the conversations that I've had with Seahawk players, some of the things have been said in press conferences up to this point. There is clearly a mutual respect in the locker room for Geno Smith. And I think he earned that last year with how he played in those four games. And yes, I know he went one and two as a starter and they lost three of those four games. But he nearly led them back against the Rams when he replaced an injured Russell Wilson. He unfortunately had an interception. It wasn't his fault. Tyler Lockett slipped and fell. They had an opportunity to drive down and tie that football game the losses to the Saints and Steelers. The Steelers game, they marched back in the second half and tied the game up to go to overtime and an unfortunate fumble by Smith ended up costing him in the extra period. The Saints game, they were right in it, really poor conditions to move the football offensively, but he threw an 84-yard touchdown. He did enough to warrant the respect of his teammates. And so, I think that is going to be a major benefit for him going into this. And it sounds like K.J. Wright agrees with that. I thought the other comment that he made on this radio show that was really fascinating, though, was talking about how the Seahawks should proceed once they have picked their starting quarterback, whether it's Smith, Locke, if they trade for Mayfield, or they bring someone else in, that he believes whoever loses that competition is, can't be on the roster starting in week one. He doesn't think that both of them should be in the locker room. That is an interesting comment. I wasn't necessarily
1: expecting. Yeah. And I'm not sure I agree with that. And, but you know, KJ Wright probably would know more than uh, this bum sitting here um, <laughs> about that kind of thing about maybe the attitude of the two. Um, I, I, you know, I will say both of them have experience being backup quarterbacks and, you know, this is obviously a little bit of a different situation where they both have i do not know about equal, but certainly they both have a good chance, a good opportunity to prove they're, they're, uh, they're, they're worth the starting job. So, um, yeah, if, if you're upset, if you're worried about upsetting the locker room culture, that, that's certainly something to be considered. And it might depend on who it is. If, if it's Geno Smith that loses out and Drew Locke is the winner and Geno Smith, you know, veteran, mature, um, you know, respected, uh, maybe that in that scenario that you, you keep him on, maybe if it's flipped and Gino wins and Drew Lock loses out, then yeah, maybe you you don't want to keep Drew Locke on the roster for one reason or another. That is an interesting comment. And if, then if you throw in Baker Mayfield in there, <laughs> that's a whole nother wrench. <laughs> certainly if, if, if he loses out, you're worried because you probably just uh, either, you know, you paid him or you traded for him and you don't want that to happen. So if he's backing up, I think that that's certainly is something to be considered.
0: Yeah, the Mayfield wrinkle would certainly change this. I would think if they were making that trade, it's to get a starting quarterback. And this is not going to be, I mean, the Seahawks are going to label it a competition, but I would not think that it would be at that point. I'm with you. I don't necessarily agree with KJ on this, but he knows the dynamic being in that locker room. And they haven't had to worry about this with Russell Wilson being the undisputed starter for the last decade. This has not been a quarterback conundrum that they have faced, but I don't know that you would have any issues with Drew Locke and Geno Smith both being in the locker room. What he mentioned is, you know, what do you do if the guy that wins it ends up struggling for a few games? Of course the fans are going to be clamoring for the other quarterback. When your starter's playing terribly, that is always what is going to happen. So I don't think that necessarily means that you need to move on from the other quarterback to avoid that. That's just going to mean Jacob Easton is going to be the one that fans are going to be clamoring for, or whoever ends up being the backup quarterback. I mean, you and I both know, being a Washington grad, uh, being a player that played high school ball here in the state of Washington, that... If Geno Smith or Drew Locke is the starter and they let the other guy go and Jacob Eason's the backup and the guy that wins the job struggles for three or four weeks, the local fans are going to throw a conniption. That's just the way that it goes. So I don't know that you'd be necessarily avoiding that issue by choosing to move on from the other guy. Now, if you got a draft pick back for him and another team needed a quarterback, that's a totally different story. But Nonetheless, K.J. Wright thinks Geno Smith should be the starter. Made that very clear based on what he's seen. He has played against Baker Mayfield previously. He has seen Drew Locke on film. He's seen him at practice. So he believes Geno Smith is the best option. We'll see if the Seahawks necessarily agree with that when training camp starts later this month and the battle truly begins between Locke and Smith. Speaking of the 53-man roster, we'll obviously be talking some quarterback here in a few moments, but which players are going to make the final team on the offensive side of the football. We're now less than a month away from the start of camp, so it's never too early to dig into these projections. Nick and I are going to be discussing and debating our selections on offense here in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, Box So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We're now less than a month away from the start of training camp, which means we got a bunch of competitions coming up with only 53 spots available for the start of the regular season, 90 players set to duke it out in training camp. It's time for our latest 53-man roster projection, Nick. And we're going to start on the offensive side of the football. And I'm going to dish the mic to you first. And I know you and I have a few discrepancies. There's going to be some obvious locks that are going to be on this team on offense and defense that you and I are going to agree on. But certainly there are going to be some differences of opinion. So let's start on the offensive side of the football looking at your depth chart on offense. And interestingly enough, I'm just going to dish it to you here. What's with the quarterback decision?
1: Yeah, kind of mirroring what uh, KJ Wright said here and there in our first segment. Geno Smith does have the inside track. And speaking of locks, I don't think Drew Locke is a lock <laughs> for the starting position at all, or even a roster spot. If if the Seahawks were to make you know another move, um, but I have Geno Smith as the starter, just as for all the things we mentioned, just the the, the knowledge of the offense, the respect in the locker room, uh, just you know, in the three starts he had. Last year, all three over 94 passer rating, so very, very uh, efficient. Um, And I just like the way he played the game, like the way he distributed, and I I just like, I like his fit a bit more. Um, I've changed my tune early on. I was pretty excited about what Drew Lock might bring, Um, but just with all the all everything else going on, you want to have a veteran guy like Drew, uh, like like Geno Smith, in the locker room. Obviously, there's there's other locks too. You got T.K. Metcalf, Shocker. Uh, at receiver and Tyler Lockett, but you know who's going to throw to him? And that, I think that's going to be Geno Smith and, and Drew Lock. I don't see them bringing in another quarterback um, for to, to compete, but uh, I, I do, between those two, have Geno as the inside track.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, we'll look at your line stuff here in a moment, but I have a little bit different viewpoint on how this quarterback situation is going to play out, and I think you and I, the skill positions, might have some differences of opinion as well. I think that Baker Mayfield season is coming, whether Seahawks fans want that or not. And I think that Drew Locke will be the backup. Why would Geno Smith be the one that gets released? And we're talking about advantages here as far as familiarity, things of that nature. He makes a lot more money if you hang on to him with the contract that they gave him. And so I think Baker Mayfield season is going to be upon us. I don't know if that trade happens here in the next week or two, if it happens at the beginning of training camp. But I think there is going to come a point where the Seahawks, I truly believe they're interested, but it's got to be their price point. I think there's going to come a point where the Cleveland Browns are going to say, you know what, we need to make this move. Even if we have to eat most of the salary, we've got to get rid of him. Too much of a distraction. We burned this bridge. It's not going to get repaired. Even if Watson suspended the entire season, we got to move on. So I think Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. I'm convinced of that at this point. I don't know when the trade or if the Browns cut him, the Seahawks sign him. But I think he will be under center for the Seattle Seahawks in week one. And at this point, I'm feeling very confident about that. So we'll see what happens. And a receiver, you and I, for the most part, agree. Metcalf Lockett, that's your one-two. No doubter about that. Eskridge and Freddie Swain are both going to be your backups at three and four. I think Bo Melton, with his speed and his special teams ability, is going to be the number five receiver. And this is where I was torn. That sixth receiver position, I had to decide between Cody Thompson and Derek Young, who I think has a very high ceiling coming out of Lenore Ryan, but he's coming from Division Two to the NFL. There's going to be a big learning curve there. I just don't know that he's ready to be on an NFL roster yet. I think the Seahawks are going to be hoping because receivers a saturated position around the league that they can slip him to the practice squad. And I think it's Cody Thompson's time. Penny Hart was also in this discussion because he's been on the roster the last two years. But Sanjay Law's comments about Thompson having the best offseason of any receiver, that stood out to me. And I just think this is a guy that has improved steadily the last couple of years. He brings a little more size to the equation. They don't have a lot of that receiver I think at least for the start of the season that Cody Thompson is that number six receiver and he gives you a lot of special teams value, which is why they would hang on to that many to begin with.
1: They make a lot of good points. Um, I, I had to read young in there. Um, I, I could see them trying to put him on the practice squad and maybe they get a little worried. I, I just like when he brings to the table, athlete, six, three, so you can do special teams experience. That was one of our big, our biggest discrepancies. I'm a big Bo Melton fan. Just the, the more I watch, the more I, I read about him, I, I think that he's gonna be a contributor. I think Freddie Swain again takes takes another step. He he was he's been right at the cusp of really breaking out and having a pretty decent career um given his draft status. And I think that this year he could take perhaps another step. So um Derek Young versus Cody Thompson, I think is the one and Penny Hart. You know, neither of us have Penny Hart in there. I think that was another um interesting tidbit that you know the last couple of years we we've talked about how he, he's kind of been Mr. Bubble, Mr. on the roster. Uh, Mr. Tryhard to get on the roster. And, and and usually he finds his way on the roster and, and so at some point, And he still might, um, given, you know, he might be practice squad and bring him on for, for injuries or for special teams needs or whatever. But um, I thought it was interesting that given some, the, an infusion of a few new receivers that Penny Hart sees himself on the outside looking in, at least for now.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a possibility the two rookies could both make the roster. I think it's possible they could both get cut. I think that this is going to be a very fascinating position. That was one of the tougher ones, the end of the depth chart. Seattle kept only four receivers out of camp last year, too. So they've seemed willing to cut guys because there is such a saturation of receivers around the NFL. And they've been able to keep players like Cody Thompson and Penny Hart around on the practice squad so when they need them they can call them up they can elevate to the roster so they've been able to do a lot of mixing and matching there at running back you and I had a little bit of a discrepancy there too I hope Chris Carson can play I've been saying this all along and I know that he believes from being on our show a few weeks ago that he still has a chance to play in this particular projection though I'm sticking with him getting cut due to an injury a failed physical I hope that's not what happens but If it does, which is very possible that it could, Seattle's going to have an extra roster spot available. Whether they want to use that on another running back, in this instance, I didn't do that. I ended up using it on a defensive player, actually, to keep around that I thought might get plucked if they tried to move into the practice squad. So we'll get to that in the next quarter. But let's get to the offensive line now. I think you and I actually were deadlocked on this. We had the same nine players... I only had one position that I was torn on a little bit in terms of backups. I think a tackle, Greg Island's the only other tackle that's on the roster, and I don't see him making the 53-man. It's going to be Abe Lucas, Jake Curran, Charles Cross, Stone Forsythe. The guards, that's pretty self-explanatory. You only have three of them on the roster right now. Those three are going to be there. Liam Ryan can play guard too, but I don't see him making this team. And then the center position is where I had the one discrepancy. Austin Blythe, I think, is the guaranteed starter here. I do think Dakota Shepley could push Kyle Fuller, though, for that backup center job. Both these guys can play both guard spots as well. So there's not really an advantage there other than Fuller's played in regular season games. But he hasn't played well in those regular season games. It feels like Shepley is kind of a curiosity at this point. I want to see what he looks like in preseason games. That is one that I could see swinging either way. But I chose to go with the guy with the more game experience in this instance in Kyle
1: Fuller. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, we're we're kind of in, in agreement there um, at the center position, which I still think is going to be a problem when the season starts. But that's for another day. Um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty passionate about the the center position situation. Um, but yeah, Blythe as the starter, Fuller as the backup, and the guards, yeah, like you mentioned, um, I'm I'm really hopeful that the two rookie tackles do seize those jobs, seize those starting jobs because they earned it, because they deserve it and not because they have no other better choice on the roster. Yeah. Um, you know, Stone Foresight, there, there's some things there. Um, and Jake Curran, you know, in a, in a pinch played okay last year. But really the, the talent gap between them and the rookie, the rookies, Cross, and Lucas, I think is pretty significant, and I'm hoping it shows. Yeah, I think that that's where the Seahawks
0: are anticipating, is that, you know, in a perfect situation, both those rookies, not just for the starters because there's nobody else there that's earned the job, but they have outright just beating out the competition and they are ready to start on day one that's what the Seahawks want if Stone Forsyth comes in and is just better than Lucas during training camp you're gonna go with Forsyth in that instance you're gonna you're not gonna just force Lucas out there so I do think you've got some competitions that are brewing here but right now I think the rookie is that would be what I would peg that both Lucas and cross are going to be your starters at left and right tackle. The guard spots are already set. And I think Blythe has got the center position locked up with his familiarity with Shane Waldron and Andy Dickerson. Now, as you mentioned, will he be an upgrade over what they had? That remains to be seen. That's still a position that I've got circled as well, that I have some questions about. It just continues to be an issue for the Seahawks. Maybe Blythe ends up being the long-term guy, and if that happens, that's great news for the Seahawks. If not, it's back to the drawing board. It's been the last couple of years. And you and I, tight end position real quick, agreed on that. I, that seems like a home run to me. you got your top three guys. Maybe Tyler Mabry, if he plays well on special teams. Maybe they keep four because they're going to use tight ends a lot. But I didn't have a spot for him in this instance. Either he or Cade Bredore are going to be on the practice squad. Maybe both of them, depending how things shake out. But I see three guys on the active roster on offense at tight end. We're going to look on defense here coming up in a moment. You and I had a few big discrepancies on the defensive side of the football as well, so we'll get to those here coming up in the third quarter. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball. BetOnline.net is your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Locked on NFL podcast for your second listen. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. Continuing our pre-training camp, 53-man roster projections. We just looked on offense. Biggest discrepancy we had, obviously, was in the quarterback position. I picked somebody that is even on the roster right now. You went with Geno Smith. We had a few differences at running back as well as receiver. But offensive line, we agreed on everything. Defense, there's going to be a few subtle differences as well. So, again, I'm going to give you the mic first with your defensive projections. And interestingly enough, you and I both put Nick Ballore at linebacker on our projections because that's the uniform he's been wearing at practice. They're not going to use a fullback very much at all in Shane Walters' offense. But I'm going to give it to you here. Take it away. Break down some of your picks here.
1: Yeah, I think one of the bigger differences we have, um, just the cornerback position is a little bit up in the air just with the health of Trey Brown and the secondary in general with Marquise Blair, both of those guys. Um, maybe may questionable to start training camp. I'm going to go ahead and be on the hopeful side that Trey Brown will be healthy enough to play. Cause I, I think if, if week one, you know, he's healthy, he's had a bit of training camp under his belt. I think Trey Brown is going to be the starting corner uh, opposite of Sidney Jones. Uh, I got Artie Burns in there. I think that he, he made enough of a splash in uh in OTAs and mini camp. I think he made, he made a lot of good, made a lot of good plays to put a good name out there for himself. Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen, obviously, uh, the two very exciting rookies, very different but very exciting rookies. Um, I'm really excited about the draft class of cornerbacks. Justin Coleman as a slot, I, I have him as there as a starting slot corner. I think he's going to provide some invaluable uh, experience, and he's just he walks into the room as is clearly the best option at slot corner. And on on the line, I do I did keep L.J. Collier on the roster. I know that he's kind of been on the bubble for some people, um, just because of the, the difference in the defense that they're playing. That they you know more three four concepts maybe they believe that this shift in, in philosophy can maybe unlock some of the stuff that they saw from LJ Collier coming out of TCU that made him a first round draft pick that they're, they're still hopeful. I mean, they're hoping, I'm hoping, I guess we're all hoping that he turns out to, you know, a Rashad Penny kind of situation where yeah. he finally gets going in year four and figures it out and shoot, if he does, that only benefits the Seahawks, at least in 2022. So um, I have him in there as maybe they're holding out hope that, a change in defensive philosophy will will unlock the best of LJ Collier.
0: That was one of the tough decisions for me. When you look at this defensive line, I feel like there's a lot of obvious locks. Puna Ford, Al Woods, Brian Monet just got extended. You're going to have Shelby Harris, the newcomer, coming over in the Wilson trade. I think he is going to be starting across from Puna Ford. And, and our listeners are going to notice that we have nose tackle and then defensive tackles. You could call them defensive ends too, but in a three, four scheme, you're going to have three big body defensive tackle types that are going to be playing on those odd fronts. So I think Puna Ford is going to be starting across from Shelby Harris. They're going to have big Al Woods in the middle. Brian Monet is going to get plenty of snaps at that nose tackle position as well. You need those big bodied space eaters that can take on double teams, can one gap and two gap. Both those guys can do that. But really the big difference for me We look at my defense. I'm not going to say that I'm giving up on LJ Collier here, although this move would suggest that I am. I'm actually going to go with Miles Adams as my pick here to make the team as the fourth defensive tackle that's going to be playing those three-tech, four-eye positions. And I've been torn on this one because I, I was impressed by Miles Adams the two games he played in last year. I thought he was really productive with limited snaps against the Rams and the Bears. He's really athletic. 290 pounds, he's undersized compared to some of the other guys. But LJ Collier is around the same size. And I think that Adams is more of a pure defensive tackle than what he is. And looking at the film, he showed better than I thought as a mere stepper. So I think that there are some things that are lining up for Adams to just flat out outperform LJ Collier in training camp. I could see that one going either way. And if it boils down to draft status, Seattle usually doesn't do things that way. But maybe Collier sticks. And this isn't saying that I'm expecting him to fall flat in training camp. I just think Miles Adams is a really intriguing player that's been trending upward. So I have him making the team. One other noticeable difference, you don't have Tyreek Smith, the fifth-round pick out of Ohio State, making the team. I had that extra roster spot with Chris Carson having the release with a failed physical. So Tyreek Smith is going to take that position. And the other spot that is interesting, you and I agree on the corners who's going to make the team. What we don't agree on is who's going to start. If Trey Brown is back for the start of camp or early in camp and he's able to show he's 100% healthy, then that could absolutely be who your starter is. But I am enamored by Kobe Bryant. You're talking about the reigning Jim Thorpe Award winner, extremely productive at Cincinnati. He's just got that it factor. And you don't see that much with fourth-round picks. But this guy's got moxie. He's hardworking. He's tough. Great ball skills an incredible football IQ. I think he's ready to start on day one. and I've been saying that for the last couple months. After watching OTAs and minicamp, I'm feeling even more uh, committed to that stance. I think Kobe Bryant starts opposite of Sidney Jones. I think Artie Burns is the backup on one side, and I think Trey Brown's the backup on the other. As long as he's healthy, maybe Brown starts some games this year. But I think the rookie, Kobe Bryant, is going to start on day one across from Sidney Jones.
1: Well, you know, he's got some similar traits to a, a previous day three corner for the Seahawks that turned out pretty good. And uh, Richard Sherman, in, in a way, um, he's got that, you know, that it's that, that feisty ball skill just and and cockiness, but in a good way. I, I think, you know, there's a good cocky or good confidence, I guess, is a better way to say that. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of Kobe Bryant, too. This is not me knocking him at all. I think Trey Brown, at least for now has the inside track has has had a year in the system and if he is healthy but that's the big if again yeah if he, if he doesn't have enough camp under his belt before the season starts absolutely Kobe Bryant you put him in there and see what he can do week one um you know the middle linebacker spot I, I really had a hard time you know adding that um you know Nick or keeping Nick Bellore I love Nick Bellore I think he's a I think he's just a great asset to the team um and and getting tight and putting Tyreek Smith off and you know I think the Seahawks would struggle to, to put Tyreek Smith on a practice squad, just with some of his versatility. I know versatility is the name of the game between him and Alton Robinson. Um, I went back and forth; I could easily be talked into either one, really. But that, that was a tough call. It's one of my tougher calls, if not the toughest call, was to to get Tyreek Smith off off or have Tyreek Smith off of the roster for now. But I'm hoping you know you can slide him into the practice squad. But as a fifth round pick with some versatility, uh, that that's that's kind of dicey. So we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the fun of a 53-man roster projection. There's going to be some tough decisions. There's going to be some disagreement. That's what makes it fun.
0: Yeah, I had one other position that I was torn on here, and we really haven't talked about middle linebacker because the two starters, we know who they're going to be. It's going to be Cody Barton, and it's going to be Jordan Brooks, a budding all-pro caliber player. Those are going to be your starters at middle linebacker in week one, and you're hoping throughout the season – there are so many question marks behind them, though, because John Radigan is coming off a torn ACL. Ben Burkirvan's coming off a torn ACL. I actually cut Ben Burkirvan in this projection because I think he's going to be healthy enough to participate in camp and in the preseason. I just don't know that he is a good fit for a 3-4 defense. He, he already wasn't getting many opportunities in a 4-3. I just think that there's enough against him now, especially coming off this injury. Radigan, on the other hand, with him being the younger player that's only in the second season and him not participating in camp, I'm expecting he's going to miss all of camp. I think with how late his injury happened, week 15 last year, I think that they're going to be hoping they can get him back middle of the season probably. So I think he starts the year on the pup list. You don't have to cut him. He's going to be on the pup list. He's just not going to be active. So with those two being accounted for, one being cut, one on the pup list, I actually had to put some thought in this because Joel E.A. Booneyway, who they got from the Chicago Bears and free agency, is a really athletic special teams guy. Has only played like 44 defensive snaps in the NFL. He's had very few opportunities, but Sean Desai knows him. And I've heard some buzz out of the building. They really like this kid. But I've also heard some buzz about Vi Jones, their undrafted rookie out of North Carolina State, and there's so much that's intriguing about this kid. He's just a different build. He looks like an edge rusher that's really skinny. He's 6'3", 225 pounds, really long arms. I had to do a double take the first day of rookie minicamp because I thought, is K.J. Wright playing in minicamp? Because he's got those long arms and he wears the same number. ran a four five two, 40 at his pro day nearly a 40-inch vertical. I mean, this guy's got athleticism for days. He had six sacks at NC State last year. He blocked six kicks in his college career as well. So if he can have that kind of an impact on special teams, that's going to give him a huge boost towards making this roster. So really, I was trying to decide between E.A. Booneyway and Vi Jones And I could see that one going either way. If Vi Jones comes in and just has a great training camp and preseason with that athletic ability, the special teams talent that he has, that might be your undrafted rookie that has the best chance to make this football team, given the other injuries at that position.
1: You make a good point. EA I practiced that name a few times before I said it. Uh you know, it's actually years, pretty but, easy for me now. It's kind yeah, of once rolling you,
0: off the tongue, but man, the yeah. first week it was kind of like <laughs> Anchor Man with ow now brown cow, you know, just trying to do the <laughs> syllables.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean he, he he's a four year veteran. He's been he's been playing in in a he's been a pretty integral part of the special team's plans for the Bears the last four years. So he's been there, done that. You you like that. Um, and that's why I kept him. And you know, that that's Vi Jones is certainly making some waves and you it's kind of the, one of those things where do you go with experience or do you go with youth and upside? And, I, and right now I went with an experience, but I could easily be talked into Vi Jones and some of his upside, especially like you mentioned with some physical traits that he has that not a lot of guys A on the roster, much less on the bubble, possess. And I think last but not least, the safety
0: position is pretty cut and dry. When you have Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams coming back as your starters, all pro, Pro Bowl caliber players, Marquise Blair has flashed when he's been healthy. They're not going to give up on him yet. And he could be a major weapon is that third safety with Sean Desai being back there as an associate head coach. Ryan Neal's been invaluable. He's played great snaps for him. You need insurance with Jamal Adams and his depth or his injury issues. Ugo Amadi is the one that I actually had to put a little bit of thought into because if he doesn't beat out Justin Coleman for the slot corner position, which I don't have him doing so in the simulation. There are a few undrafted safeties that the Seahawks signed that I am intrigued by. I also like Josh Jones who played for the Seahawks late last year, former second round pick that has some positional versatility, but I opted to stick with Amadi because he can play multiple spots. He's been a really good special teams guy. You're not going to save that much cap space cutting him And this time of year, not a big deal to open up cap space. Anyway, they have plenty to work with right now. So I don't see them making any major moves there. I would suspect that the safety position is pretty cut and dry though. They could have a couple of these rookies that end up on the
1: practice squad that might play some snaps for him down the road, at least on special teams. Yeah. I think you're probably referring to referring to Bubba Bolden and Deontay Williams and those guys, Scott Nelson, Joy Blunt.
0: Nelson's the one I'm intrigued by yeah. most with the athletic traits.
1: They're off the charts. Yeah. Scott Nelson certainly is one of those guys that just you go. Who's that guy running? Oh, it's Scott Nelson. Um, it, it's uh i agree it's pretty cut and dry as long as everyone stays healthy that the safety position is is going to be where where it's at quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, two of the best went healthy went together maybe one of the best safety duos in the nfl just what they offer just some of the differences they have and, and just how they complement each other marquis blair like you mentioned yeah that if he can stay healthy there are plenty of traits there hugo amati i had him barely making the team too. um just with you know with the battle with, with Justin Coleman and maybe they keep him on just as like you know de facto backup slot corner um, if anything else goes down with uh, Justin Coleman or if Justin Coleman just comes in and it isn't isn't what he was um, some insurance there but um, I expect Justin Coleman to, to take that slot corner position but Marquise Blair and Ugo Madi offer enough value especially Marquise Blair with just some of the untapped potential with his injury history. Um, you, you, it's one of those guys where if you let, you know, you let, if you let him go and say, yeah, he goes to the Rams or the 49ers or something like that, they're going to turn him into a weapon and then you just don't want that to happen. So, uh, you got to keep, you got to hold on to him as long as you can.
0: Yeah. I would tend to agree with you there. I just think he has enough value that there's really no reason to let him go. And the other guys have never played in NFL games, those rookies. So unless there's an injury, I don't see any of those undrafted guys getting on the roster. Of course it's July 1st. So these things are fluid. There are going to be players that exceed expectations in camp in the preseason. There might be some undrafted rookies that come out of nowhere and end up pushing for a spot. So again, Expect these to change as we go through training camp. We'll dish out a few of these projections during camp and the preseason, and ultimately make our final one before the Seahawks have their final roster cuts at the end of August. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee fifty one. Check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week live on. YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, got a bonus Saturday episode making up for not having our Thursday show. I'll be answering your mailbag questions, and I'm going to dish out my five make it or break it Seahawks heading into this season who could have a major difference on whether this team surpasses expectations in 2022. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Go Hawks.